So this year, it might be the same old routine for you, even though you vowed that you would not finish Christmas shopping tonight, after this, you'll be heading to Walmart. <laughs> Perhaps you are making the same dish that you always bring to grandma's house, or maybe you are anticipating that coveted, magical Christmas nap you always take right after dinner. Anybody? There's no amens to that? You are so excited about that blessed nap. I'm wondering if any of you are experiencing this. It's called primnesia. When you order so much Amazon Prime, you don't know what's in the box until you open it. Guilty as charged. <laughs> Today, just this afternoon, the FedEx truck pulled in the driveway. Joel looked at me, seriously? I'm like, gotta get it, gotta get it in. No matter what you plan to do tomorrow to celebrate, don't forget the greatest gift at Christmas is the gift that Jesus comes close, that God comes close. Two years ago in November, I had the opportunity to visit Israel with a group of people on a Holy Land tour. And there were many things that are different than what I expected. I tried falafel for the first time. Not a fan. It's not a fan. Um, the camels were more friendly than I thought they would be. Um, I got to see an actual manger, which were not made of wood and hay, like we depict. They're actually stone. Can you imagine laying your brand new baby in that? That's what mangers actually were. And particularly, when I thought about traveling to the Holy Land around Christmas, I expected some marvelous tribute to Jesus. This is his debut. This is his hometown. This is where Christmas was born. In America, we do parades and lights and ice cream sundaes and Kanye West. <laughs> something, something to celebrate. But the reality was, what I saw when I went to Israel was maybe two Christmas trees the entire two weeks I was there. And we traveled all over the countryside. There was no excitement that Christmas was coming. There was no general sense of the most wonderful time of the year. In fact, it was business as usual most of the places where we went and where I walked. And that is because the majority of the population, 98% to be exact, in the land where Christmas was born doesn't actually believe Christ is Savior. And I wanted to just shout and shake at people and say, you're missing it. Like Jesus was born right here in your neighborhood and you're not even celebrating the biggest miracle that ever happened. And then I flew back to America and I, I looked around and, and we had Christmas trees and baby Jesus displays and we had wreaths and presents. But even still, I had this thought, are we missing it? When you have a lot to celebrate Christmas or you have a little, it's still so easy to miss it. Are we giving enough attention to Christmas, the real idea of Christmas, the gift that God has come close to us? And tonight, I don't want us to miss it. I don't want us to go through the motions. I want to challenge us to know the Savior, not just know the story. So the scripture says in Luke 2, 8 through 9, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Good news, great joy, born a savior, the best gift 
ever. And the Savior wants to have a relationship with every single one of us. When humanity was created, it's recorded that Adam and Eve, the first two human creatures, had full intimacy with God. They never felt far from him. Can you imagine? It says that they walked in the garden every morning with him daily. They didn't struggle to believe him or know him or see him or even hear him. They were as close to God as you are to the person sitting next to you right now, today. They were right there with God. But then sin messed it all up. Sin got in the way. It separated them from God. It separates us from God. And sin made it hard to see God and take him at his word. And sin kept us from closeness with God. And it still does. But God, in his goodness, had a solution. He had a game plan. He planned a gift that would restore the relationship between God and man. He would send a son, a savior to us. He would send this gift to us. And 1 Corinthians 9.15 says, Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Now, you may know the account of, as is told in Scripture, of Mary and Joseph riding to Bethlehem, uh, perhaps on a donkey. And when it's time for Mary to give birth, there's no room anywhere else but in a place where we know there are animals of some kind. And Mary lays the sweet-born Jesus in swaddling clothes in a manger. Now, I was talking with some of the staff pastors before Christmas Eve this morning, and we all talked about how uh, there's a lot of details that we kind of fill in the blanks for. In fact, if you've ever watched uh, the movie The Star, it depicts it. And you begin to kind of put the details in your head, what it might have looked like and what it might have been like. And I think we're probably right on some things. We're not right on other things. But we fill in the details. But there's one thing we know for sure, because the scripture is very clear to tell us that there was a star. The Bethlehem star shined over the place where the Savior was born, and that star signified and pointed to the greatest gift that God could ever give us. I want to read it to you in Matthew 2, 1 through 2. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, what you might not know about the star is something that happened 44 years earlier. Decimus Brutus killed Julius Caesar, a member of the Roman Senate. And four months after Caesar's devastating death, Octavius, who was kind of like Caesar's adopted son, hosted these public games in honor of Caesar. And that was very common at the time. And during these multi-day Olympic-type festivities, a bright star mysteriously appeared in the sky. And it shone for seven days. The rare comet was so bright, it was visible midday, and then it remained constant for seven days. Now, in the Roman world, people treated stars or comets as major signs. The, the location, the time of appearance, how bright it was, even uh, the way the tail pointed were signs to them. They would, they would look at that and say, oh, okay, that must mean this or that must mean that. And because this particular star appeared in the birth month of Julius Caesar and it came on the onset of the games in his honor, the people began to believe that this star was a mark that Caesar was now a god in heaven. 
And they said, Caesar, he, he was such a powerful ruler. He must now be a god in heaven. And so Octavius immediately set up a statue of Julius Caesar in the temple and adorned his head with a star. And they even built a temple in the heart of Rome called the Temple of the Comet Star. So Octavius, almost a decade later, after this star sighting, he becomes the first emperor of Rome in 27 BC. And when you become the emperor, you get a new name. And his new name was Caesar Augustus. Does this sound familiar? And so Caesar was in honor of his predecessor. Augustus means majestic. So for the next two and a half decades, this star would be the emperor's trademark. In fact, it even appears on the coins that the government issued at the time. Look at this. That's what the coins looked like when Caesar Augustus was in power. He was even saying, this star has made me king. This star, Caesar was my relative, therefore I must be God. I must be a king. And in Luke 2, it says that Caesar Augustus calls for the census of the entire Roman world. This is what starts the events of the Christmas story. If you remember, Caesar Augustus is the one who calls for the census, which brings uh, the family, the holy family, into Bethlehem. And so Mary and Joseph began their journey to Bethlehem. Now, in those days, the people of Israel had two rulers. The common people didn't care for either of them. So all this political stuff we deal with happened then too. <laughs> they didn't like him. And so there was Caesar Augustus, and then the other guy was King Herod. And you may remember him a little bit more in the story. King Herod claimed to be Jewish. He didn't live it out very well, but he was often called the king of the Jews. So this is why when Jesus was born to a young Jewish couple and people started referencing Jesus as the king, Herod was very upset. He was the king of the Jews. He was alarmed that someone could come and usurp his authority. That was who he was. And so when he heard that this was happening, he was very upset. So Jesus is born, and there is a star brightly shining in the sky. And this star is indicating to everyone that something is happening. It's powerful, and it's life-changing, and it's so powerful and so bright that even the magi, who have no faith, are picking up their things and saying, we must go and see who this star is pointing to, because the last time it was Caesar... And this is even brighter. It must be someone even more powerful. And so Caesar, Augustus, and Herod are literally shaken in their boots because the authority that they feel that they have earned all these years is being outshined by the star in the, over a little town of Bethlehem. I love what God is doing here. The star is no coincidence. It's not a random detail in this story. God knows that the Roman people believe that a star indicates a God has come, a God has come to worship. And God knew that Caesar Augustus had stars on all the coins and all the government that every day in their comings and their goings. And God knew that this symbol is what communicates to the people that someone is in charge, that someone is the king. But little did the people know this isn't just someone. This isn't just someone that's being born underneath this star. And God, in his wisdom and his glory and his wonder, he sends a star, a star brighter, a star bigger, a star more marvelous than any star in all of history because he wants to communicate to Caesar Augustus and King Herod and every single other human being on the planet that unto us a child is born. 
that unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Little did they know that wasn't a king that was being born that would have an earthly empire. That was the birth of the king of eternity. And that was the birth of the rightful king of the Jews. So Matthew 2 continues in verse 10. And we see this magi coming because they're saying, what is happening? And verse 10 says, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and they worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and they presented him with the gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now, what I love about this part of the story is that these people were not Jewish people. They were not followers of Jehovah God. They were pagan Gentile stargazers looking for a, to find the king so that they can be close to the treasure I mean, that's what they were after. They were very unlikely people to greet Jesus' entry to earth with gifts, but yet God enables them to see and take notice of this special sign in the sky. And then they believe strongly enough to take a costly, dangerous journey to go find a baby in a manger. And they come to a foreign land for a cause they didn't understand, but they were drawn by something. It was something special about this king. And I can't help but think that this is the foreshadowing of what Jesus can and will do for each of us. That, that he takes the most unlikely people, the most broken, the most lost people, and he draws us to him, even when we don't fully understand. And then we, when we get to his presence, just his presence changes us. Just his presence makes us into the people that we were always created to be. And out of sheer generosity, God makes it possible for us to stand before him and have relationship with him. And he makes a way from start to finish. And even though we have sin that separates us from God, Jesus dies on a cross. He goes on to die on a cross so we can be forgiven. And if we put our faith and our hope and our trust in him and have a relationship with God, then it is possible for us to be with God forever. But we can only enjoy that gift today if we receive it. We can only have the gifts God gives if we receive it. We, we need to trust him today. So if you are here tonight and you've never trusted God as your savior, I want you to know that Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. That Jesus came, was born, came to earth so he could have a relationship with you. And all you have to do is receive his invitation. And it, it's so simple, but it's so powerful. All you need to do is pray a simple prayer like this. Jesus, forgive me of my sin that separates us. Come and be Lord of my life. I give you my heart. And the power of God will change your life. The power of God will change your life. Romans 1.16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. There's just one more thing I want to look at in this Christmas account with the star and the magi. So we notice that the most unlikely people, the magi, bring gifts to Jesus. They bring gold and frankincense and myrrh. Every Christmas Eve, my family gets together and, and Joel reads the Christmas story to my kids. And I remember last year, Mercy, who was three at the time, when we got to this part of the Christmas story, she said, you know, I feel bad for Jesus. Those aren't really good gifts. 
<laughs> she was kind of disappointed. But these kings, they were bringing the best that they had. The best that they had. And they gave it to Jesus. In our December series, if you've joined us this month, you know that we've been talking about gifts. And one particular Sunday, we talked about spiritual gifts and how God gives us all gifts. But the way that we can use them best is by surrendering them to him. And I think the Magi shows us this, that, that what they came and they brought the best that they had and they said, God, this is all we got, but you can have it. It might not feel like much. My life might not feel like much, but you can have it all. You can have everything that I have. You, you can, I can give it all to you. And, and what we see the Magi doing here is they are taking the best they had and giving it to the best there is. And that's Jesus. On Sunday, December 8th, you marked on silver gift tags the gifts that you had, and we collected them, and we made them into a reminder that Jesus is the best gift of all, and Jesus is the reason for this season. So good. <laughs> Want to clap for us. So each of these are little tags, and they have the gifts that you all wrote on it, and they're all encompassed in surrendering them to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords, to the one that deserves all our praise and all our honor. So would you stand? How we're gonna end our service tonight is the ushers are gonna come. They're gonna pass these candles out. You can turn them on just by flipping the bottom switch. And in just a moment, we're gonna sing the first Noel, which represents the light, the star, uh, the thing that, that we want to remember that Jesus is the reason for the season. And so go ahead, ushers, you can pass those out. And in just a moment, we'll turn those on and we'll sing the first Noel together.
Can you please turn your lights on and sing with us the first note?